I think it's easy here in our country to take this book for granted. Most of us grew up with a grandmother who had this book around, or we grew up with someone who had the book around. Man, we can go anywhere. We can go to Walmart, and we can purchase this book. And sometimes when you get so familiar with something, you forget the power of that something. And in my hand is the greatest book ever written. I mean, as you flip through these pages, what you'll see is is you're going to see some amazing people who did some amazing things. I mean, this book is amazing. It's full of great leaders, great kings, great husbands, great wives, great preachers, great shepherds, great warriors. It's the greatest story ever written about some of the greatest people who ever lived. Literally, I don't care if you believe there's a God or don't believe there's a God. I I don't care if you believe this book is true or this book is false. Nobody can argue with the fact that no book has shaped our world like this book. And the funny thing is, as you read this book, and you read these great people who changed the world... You don't see the type of people you think you'd see that God used to change the world. (laughs) It's not a book of those who have it together. It's not a book of the sharpest people. It's not a book of the smartest people. It's not a book of the most perfect people. (laughs) It's a book of screwed up, messy people that were used by God. It's a group group of people who in most churches today in our country wouldn't even be accepted. Yet God saw something and he used those people and he used those people for granted. I mean, think about this book for a moment and think about the people that God used, if you will. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old to be used. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. The Bible in the Old Testament talks about Leah, and it just makes it a point to let you know that Leah was ugly. I mean, you've seen some women that are ugly. I'm not talking about any women at Action Church. I'm just talking about some other women. They're ugly. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. I mean, the Bible makes it a point to say she was ugly, yet God used her for great things. (laughs) Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Man, Samson, he wouldn't have been allowed in most Baptist churches because he had long hair and he was a womanizer. Hey, Rahab, we're going to be talking about Rahab next week. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy, the Bible says that people looked at them and thought they were too young. King David, a man, the Bible says, after God's own heart was a murderer and had an affair. Elijah was suicidal. I, the prophet Isaiah ran around naked. I've been thinking about doing that. But we're trying to grow a church and not kill a church. Jonah ran from God. No, ain't. No. Man, this book's amazing. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep with Jesus while praying. 
Martha was a worrywart. She worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Not one time. Not two times. Not three times. Not four times. Bam, but five times. And God used her. Zacchaeus was too small. He was a midget. I'm not trying to be politically incorrect. I just think that's cool. I'm moving along. Paul was too religious. And Lazarus was dead. But God used them all for greatness. We look down and we see all the labels that we can place on them. And God looked down and said, that's a group of people that I'm going to change the world with. See, we look for perfection. We look for the most qualified. And God says, I'm just looking for the most available. We serve a God today who uses people right where they are. This book is full of unfit saints. They weren't looking to be used by God. They weren't qualified to be used by God. They were just regular Joes who ended up doing great things because God simply said, that's who I'm going to use, and they were crazy enough to listen. I think the most amazing thing about these unfit, unfit saints is not that they were special, but they didn't realize how special they were. They weren't looking to be special, but they were willing to be used. I got to be honest with you today. At Action Church, I see this book lived out over and over and over. This ain't the prettiest church. It ain't the richest church. It sure ain't the church that's got it all together. We can't even do an intro video without misspellings. But it's a church full of people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups who've been broke, busted, and disgusted. And yet God has radically changed their lives. And week after week, here in the ghetto of Canton, the homeless have a place to stay. And addicts have a place to come. And those without food come and get fed. And those without clothes come and get clothed. And people know all over this county, if you're in need, where do you go? You go to Action Church. It's funny to me, churches that have literally got up on their stage and preached against us, send people to us. I've got one church in town. And a staff member at this church all the time brings us stuff. And he always says, hey, don't post it. Our church brought this to pastor, don't know. I said, what? He said, yeah, I don't want it. He don't need to know. I said, well, I want to give you guys credit, man. You brought us this. He said, yeah, if it gets out, man, we won't be doing it anymore. He goes, I, got, he goes, I don't check my budget that close. So when I hear you have needs, I can bring you stuff. How sad, but how awesome. That God took a group of people that most people would look at and say, they aren't qualified to be used. They don't have what it takes to be used. 
And God uses that group of people to fulfill his mission. And for whatever reason, it seems to be working. I've never seen a more eclectic group of people than this. People from all different walks of life who come together every Sunday and they worship collectively. I kind of think it's a little glimpse of what heaven will be like. Because we tend to think everybody's going to be like us when we get to heaven. You know my theory. There's going to be a lot of people surprised when I show up. There's going to be a lot of pastors in Cherokee County surprised when my mansion's next door to them. You talk about property values dropping. First time I roll out of my mailbox and my wife beat her in my boxer shorts and my dress socks, I'm like, what's up? I made it. Can't wait. <laughs> For whatever reason, it's working. When we moved down here, people said, what are you doing? Over and over and over, what, seven years ago, we moved next door, and people said, why are you moving to that part? Now, at that time in our community, there was a big push from churches to actually move out of town. They were moving on the outskirts of town, and they were doing it under the guise of that's where you can find land, and that's where you can build, and that's where you can get stuff cheaper. No, what it really was is that's where the big homes were, and that's where the gated communities were, and that's where all the new people moved in. Man, that's awesome. But we saw a huge vacuum in the middle of our city. There was no longer a lighthouse in the middle of our city. There literally wasn't a church in the center of our city. And God opened the doors for us to be here. And God's done amazing things with a bunch of unfit saints. I have a thing in my office that one of my best friends made me because I said this phrase a long time ago. And it still holds true to this day. We're just a bunch of nobodies trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Unfit saints. And it seems to be working. In this room is literally the potential to change the world. Great movements have started with less. And the only thing stopping this church from doing what God envisions this church to do is ourselves. Not believing we can be used. Not believing we're qualified to be used. Not believing we have what it takes to be used. God wants to do amazing things here, but we have so many people who don't think it can happen. We're a church full of misfit toys, and because of that, there's past, and there's heartaches, and there's this. And so many of us hold on to that and say, man, there's no way God could use me. You don't know about this. And you don't know about that. And God says, I don't care about any of that. I've got a plan for you and a purpose for you and a vision for you and a mission for you. And I want to do great things for you. The problem is God wants it for us more than we want it for ourselves. God sees awesomeness. And we see insecurity. He says this in the Psalms. David said that He said, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. He said, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. 
David said, you made me. And I say this all the time to the point that it gets real old, but don't miss it. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make surprises. I said this last week, and someone gets offended every week when I say it, so let me say it again. You might have been a surprise in the backseat of mommy and daddy's car, but you weren't a surprise to God. You were formed and shaped and molded, and he created you, and he told Jeremiah, he said, in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I set you apart for a purpose. Unfit saints, this room, the potential to change the world. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of these unfit saints. We're just going to do some character studies, if you will, and we're going to be talking about how God used these people. And today, we're going to be hanging out in the book of Exodus. If you have your Bibles, you can flick over to Exodus 3. If not, it'll be up on the screen. If you got your Bible, you probably ain't going to see it out there anyway. It's dark. We're going to be looking at probably one of the greatest leaders and one of the most unfit people to be used in the Bible. We're we'll looking at a dude named Moses. Now, just imagine for a moment you're God. I know some of you think you are God. But imagine for a moment you're God, you're the creator of the universe, and you possess all the power in the world right within yourself. Your people are being held as slaves, and you decide it's time for your people to be delivered. And now you have to choose somebody to come along and go about delivering your people. You'd probably send a great military leader, a skilled politician. Maybe you'd send a great warrior, a great person who's phenomenal at just soul-stirring speeches that would grip the hearts of people. You have the population of the world at your hand. You would have sent a lot of people, but Moses would have not been who you sent. I mean, after all, your people are in captivity, and here's a guy who's 80 years old. He's a fugitive. He's wanted for murder in Egypt. Oh, by the way, Egypt's where your people are enslaved at. (laughs) At one time, he was very well-connected in political circles, but that was about 40 years ago. At one time, he was well-educated, but that was about 40 years ago. He's been well-connected, but now he's a fugitive on the run. He's 80 years old. He has no confidence in himself. He's been working as a farmer, and on top of it, he has a stuttering problem that seems to consume him. He talks about it nonstop. (laughs) Yeah, here it is, God, who could choose anybody, and it's time to go and set his people free. He looks down and sees Moses. He says, that's who I'm going to use. He said, he don't see it, but I've been preparing him for 80 years. See, here's the deal. I say this all the time. Your biggest mess will be your biggest ministry one day. You don't understand the mess when you're going through the mess, but God says, I got a plan for your mess. Your mess will be a ministry to somebody. Your mess will one day be a miracle to somebody. And God looks down at Moses and says, that's who I'm going to use. He says, he's just messy enough. He's just unfit enough that I can do something great with him. (laughs) And here's the crazy thing about Moses to me. When God called him to do it, God lets him know, I believe in you. The problem was Moses didn't believe in himself. See, the problem with Moses is the same problem you and I have so many times. Moses didn't see himself 
as God saw him. Moses lived a life not defined by his calling, but he lived a life defined by his insecurity. Moses is a lot like you and I. Most of us see it this. I am never blank enough. Gary, I feel like God's stirring something in me and I want to be used and I feel, but I, I, I'm just not blank enough. I, I don't know what your blank is, but you do. I, 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 I'm just not mm, Christian enough. I, I, I'm just not smart enough. I, I, I'm just not rich enough. I, I'm just not confident enough. I'm just not strong enough. Again, I I don't know what your blank is, but here's what I know it's going through your head right now. I'm just not blank enough to be used by God. Gary, I love Action Church, and I love what God's doing, and I believe God's doing something in my life, but here's the deal. Really, all I feel like I'm qualified to do is sit on my blessed assurance every Sunday, and I can't do anything. And you talk about people serving and people doing this, and I want to, and there's just something every time you say it, it sparks inside of me. But there's another voice over here, and it says, you can't do that. You, you remember what you did that time? You remember how you betrayed that person or you stole from that person or you hurt that person? Or or you remember when? And we think to ourselves, we can never be using over and over. God said, I want to use you and I've got a plan for you. And over and over, our head tells us we are not blank enough. And can I tell you something today? You're in good company. Because Moses went through the same thing. God calls him. God says, I've got a plan for your life. And as we're going to look at Moses, like, yeah, 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 I'm not enough. God looked down and says, Moses is a leader. God called Moses to deliver the children of Israel from slavery. But before he could call him to deliver the children of Israel from slavery, he had to deliver Moses from some things that Moses was going through. And as I read this story, and I've thought about this story, and I've really never really got in depth in this story. Man, it was so evident. It came together quick. There's three things that Moses struggled with. All the time, it's what he struggled with. He, he just didn't see himself the way God saw him. I hear people all the time, and we love, I, and I feel like I've got to that age. So I took my daughter this week, Christine and I took our daughter, she's 11 years old, to her first Real concert, non-Christian worship concert. And we took her to see Macklemore and Kesha. And um, I'm not really a Kesha type guy. I know you find that surprising. And as I got there, I realized I'm old. (laughs) And I caught myself for the first time being like, these young kids today. And like, as I'm doing it, I'm at that struggle where I'm like, oh, I'm too, I'm too young for that. Like, it, it, I don't even want to say what they were doing. It was just, it made me worry for the future of our country. <laughs> just honest with you. And um, like, it, it was rough. It, it, it was rough. And, and then if I thought I was not old, 
girl next to me. She was 27. She looked like she was 42. She said, my friend brought me because I looked like Kesha. I was like, oh. And so after Macklemore got done, she was like, this is just not really your thing, is it? I said, what do you mean? You're just standing there. I said, well, I just kind of stand there at any concert I'm at. I said, but my wife and daughter's having a good time, so I'm having a good time. She said, oh, okay. (laughs) And then later on, Kesha, because I don't know when he Kesha song, starts to sing a slow song. You know, she leans there, she goes, sir. I said, yeah. Like, (laughs) is it weird to you because you're so old that, like, people are using their flashlights on their phone instead of lighters during the slow song? It was about that time that I thought about slitting my wrist because I realized, man, I'm old. And I thought, well, this is kind of weird, actually. <laughs> you know? Um, but we're so bad to look at that story. I just want to share it. There's really no point to it. Um, the problem is, though, today with our youth as we look at them, and, and I hear people say this in a bad way when we say, well, kids today think they're just so special. They're so special. They think they've got to post everything. Like, everybody's got to post this, and they've got to post this on, on Twitter, and they've got to post this on Instagram, and they've got to post this on Snapchat. They just think they're so special that everyone cares about what they're doing. Here's the problem. The problem isn't that they think they're so special. The problem is we're raising a generation who doesn't realize how special they are. And because they don't realize how special they are, they're seeking validation from everyone and anyone except from the creator of the universe who says, I validate you right where you are. We're so busy beating up on them instead of saying, hey, man, here's how God sees you. And I got to be honest with you. Thank God when I was 16 and 17, there wasn't Snapchat. And thank God there wasn't Instagram because I post everything now. Can you imagine me back then? (laughs) Lord, how mercy. They ain't doing nothing we didn't do. We just didn't have the ability to tell everybody about it. But they don't realize how God sees them. I got to get to the book. I got to get done today. I didn't know Terry was going to throw an extra song in there. It was good, though. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. So Moses just now, he's just a farmer working with his father-in-law. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Arab, the mountain of God. So here's Moses. He's isolated. He's alone. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush, though the bush, though it was on fire, did not burn up. So, okay, Moses out alone. He's isolated. A bush catches on fire, but the bush isn't burning up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over there to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. So Moses walks over. The bush is on fire, but it ain't burning up. And all of a sudden, a voice of God comes from it. Moses knows he's been tending the flock and he ain't been doing any shrooms. He knows he's sober. And he's like, what is going on? 
Now, I ain't a smart man, and I don't play a smart man on Sundays. But if I'm out in the wilderness, and a bush tells me to do something, and it tells me it's God, I'm believing it's God. And I'm going to listen, and I ain't going to argue. I'm taking my shoes off. He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. In case you didn't know who I am, let me tell you. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed, indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. I've seen that my people are enslaved. I hear, hear that my people are calling out to me. I see that they need me to deliver them. God always hears your cries. The problem is God doesn't work on our time schedule. That's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. That was a freebie today. He says, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, blah, blah, all these names I can't pronounce. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. He says, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses is out there tending to the flock. The last thing on his mind is God calling him to do something. He wasn't looking to be used by God. He wasn't thinking about being used by God. He didn't think he was qualified to use by God. But God looked down and says, I have heard the cries of my people. And it's time for them to be delivered. And Moses, you're the person who's going to deliver them. Here's the deal. And I'm going to get into this and show you the backstory here in a minute. God didn't look down and see a murderer. And Moses was a murderer. He saw someone who was going to do great things. He saw someone he was going to use for great things. We see people by their failures. Mm, God says, I see them by their potential. Holy smokes, that's good preaching. The white boy is doing it, baby. I had to preach a funeral last week. It was horrible. And I don't ever want to preach a funeral like that again. But I got to preach after a black man. There wasn't even no point in me getting up. So God didn't see a farmhand. He saw someone who would set his children free. But look what Moses says. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? <laughs> what a pitiful response from Moses. Who am I? See, we're watching a conversation between Moses and God. And we see it as a two-way conversation, but it's really a three-way conversation. There's God speaking. There's Moses speaking. And there's Moses' insecurity speaking. Mm. Moses, I want to use you. Who are you to be used? Remember when you murdered that person? You're in a different country because you're on the run. You're going to go back to Egypt? Oh, by the way, where you murdered the person and you're wanted for murder? You ain't good enough. You ain't smart enough. You don't got what it takes. Hey, I get that that's the God of the universe talking to you, but this is me, your insecurities, and I'm a little more powerful because I'm in your head right now. <laughs> and Moses buys into it. God's telling Moses who he is. And Moses' response is, it's not, I, I, I know God. 
I'll do whatever you tell me to do. But it's who am I? I'm not qualified, God. I'm not gifted enough. God, I dig this conversation, and I dig that you're going to set the people free. I can't wait to tell people about it. It's going to make a real good story. But who am I to be used? And Moses starts the battle that every one of us start. God's called this group of people together for greatness. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. I don't care what the world tells you. I don't care what your friends tell you. I don't care what your family tells you. I don't care what your co-workers tell you. I don't care whoever it is in your life who loves to beat you down and remind you of all your screw-ups tells you. God looks at it and says, man, that's the person that I'm going to use. He said, I've been using screwed-up people my whole life, and I ain't going to stop now. But the problem is when, yeah, that's good preaching. You ought to clap. But the problem is is when God calls us, That old battle in our head starts coming. And Moses comes along, and the first thing that voice says is, man, I am so dysfunctional. (laughs) See, as you read this, you think Moses is asking, who am I? Because he's being, who am I compared to God? But to understand insecurities, you've got to understand the history of the person. See, the enemy will use your history to ignite your insecurity. I'm so dysfunctional. God is identifying himself to Moses, and all Moses can hear is the thoughts in his head. I'm a murderer. I'm on the run. Man, I've kind of forgot about it. I'm out here, and I'm married, and I'm working in my father-in-law's field, and I'm in a different country. But, man, you can't escape your past, by the way. Because wherever you go, there you are. Moses ran, and here it is years, 40 years later, and his past is called up with him. But God don't care about the past. But Moses here says, I am so dysfunctional. See, you need to understand something about Moses. He was a Hebrew by birth, but he was raised by an Egyptian. He grew up in Egypt. He was tired of seeing the Hebrews abused by the Egyptians, and he did something about it. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and seeing that no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting, and he asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Raised by Egyptians, born to a Hebrew, she put him in a basket. Real quick story, put him in a basket, he's floating down. Pharaoh's daughter, who was in charge, sees him. She raises Moses in the palace. He's raised as an Egyptian, but he always knew he was a Hebrew. When he saw the Egyptian beating the Hebrew, he killed the Egyptian. Pharaoh hears about it, now he's a wanted man. He runs, and he tries to forget about his past. And I got to be honest with you, I believe he had. I believe he got up every day and said, man, I got a wife and I got kids and I got a great father-in-law. He's a wealthy man in this country and I'm working in the field. But the minute the calling of God came upon his life, the voice in his head said, you're dysfunctional. Have you forgot who you are? Now it's many years later. I say, he's married, he's working. He's living this simple life. And God comes along and says, here's what I want you to do. As soon as God starts telling you what he wants to do through you, the devil will tell you why you're not qualified to do it. I'm going to say that again. 
as soon as God starts telling you what he wants to do through you, the devil will come along and tell you why you're not qualified to do it. And the problem is so many times we believe the devil. He's a liar. He's a cheat. He's a deceiver. And yet we believe him over a God who says, I got a plan for you. I got a mission for you. Remember when you were going through all that mess, I was preparing you and I was molding you and I was shaping you for greatness. Who am I? God, I believe you can set the people free. But who am I? God, I'm a man in hiding. I'm hiding my face right now from you in your bush because you're holy and I'm not. God, I'm messed up and I'm jacked up and I'm messy and God, I suck. And you want to use me? Our insecurities always talk in the first person. Who am I? Sometimes it's not even the things that happened before we met Christ. It's the things we continue to do after we've met Christ. Because when you meet Christ, you don't become perfect. We keep making the same mess over and over and over, and we're so dysfunctional. And that voice gets in our head and says, I'm so dysfunctional. It also comes along and says, I'm so deficient. I am so deficient. God, you must be messing up. I'm deficient. I I can't do this. That word deficient means lacking something that is needed. (laughs) Not having enough of something. God, I'm not skilled enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not brave enough. I'm not insightful enough. I'm not blank. God comes to Moses and his insecurities start to point what appear to be flaws. Let me catch you up. Let me catch you up. Here's a great story. God calls Moses. Moses doubts. God calls Moses. Moses begins to worry that no one's going to follow him. God says, they're going to follow you. I'm going to give you some signs. He says, throw your rod on the ground. God throws it. I mean, Moses throws his rod on the ground. The rod turns into a snake. He says, pick up the snake. He picks up the snake and turns back into a rod. He said, I got you back. Don't worry about it. God says, put your hand in your cloak. Pow. Pulls his hand out and it's diseased and full of leprosy. He says, put your hand back in your cloak. He puts his hand back in the cloak. Bam, it's gone. God says, I'm showing you. I got signs. People are going to believe that I sent you. Trust me. God says, if you don't believe that, take some water and pour it on the ground. Turns to blood. God says, I got you. I'm going to give you what you need to be used. They will believe in you. God always equips who he calls. But Moses doubts it. He said, God, I can't. I'm deficient. I don't have what it takes. And you've been there, and I've been there. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, but I have never been eloquent Neither in the past since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. Let me paraphrase that for you in the Gary Lamb version. God, that snake thing was cool. You think I keep that talent when I go to the party? That was cool. God, that diseased hand thing, that was cool. God, that water in the blood thing, boy, I tell you what, that is powerful. But I can't do this. 
I can't even speak. I get nervous. I have a stuttering problem. He said, I've always been that way. No offense to you, God, in the last five minutes that you and I have been talking, it ain't went away. I'm deficient, God. You got the wrong person. I'm not as good as others. God, I don't have what it takes. Use this person. Use that person. Use this person. They're more qualified. They got better talent. I'm so deficient. God says, I want to use you. And we start slinging them excuses at him. <laughs> I'm not as good as I don't have what it takes. I've never been good enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not short enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not blonde enough. I have a speaking problem. Who's going to listen to me, God? And we all do it. God calls us, and it's so clear that he calls us, and the door's open, and it's so, it's so freaking obvious and we fight God because the insecurities in our heads say, man, I'm too dysfunctional. I'm so deficient. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? The Bible is so hard to understand. This ain't hard to understand. God lays it out. Man, I like when the Bible preaches itself. Who gives them sight or who makes them blind? It is not I, the Lord. Now go. I will help you speak. And I will teach you what to say. I will give you the words. Go. I will show you what to do. Go. I will fill your mouth. Go. I will write the sermon. Go. Shut up and go. I got I to gotta get this in order and this in order and this in order. And people spend their whole life getting things in order. And God says, all you got to do is go. God says, I really don't even need you. But I love you enough to use you. You're just a vessel. I'm doing all the work. At the end of the day, I'm using you where you don't get the credit, where people look at. I, I said all the time about this church. Ain't nobody looking at the Action Church and being like, whoo, that Gary Lamb. He is a preacher. That Gary Lamb, he's caring. That Gary, of course that church is doing great things. Gary Lamb's leading it. No, they're looking at this place saying, there must be a God. Because Gary Lamb is the one being used. You know about him? Well, you know what I heard. I tell you, if God, if, if that place is growing down there with that crowd, it's got to be a God thing. We're so deficient. God says, who made you? I made you. There's no flaws in you. I made you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Check this out. It's good. I can't say I, I just stole it this week, but I thought it was good. I read this week, when you doubt the product, it insults the manufacturer. So when you doubt yourself, you're insulting God who created you and formed you and made you. You've got to get to the point in your life that you realize, listen, listen, God made you. And if God left it out of you, it's because it wasn't needed for you to fulfill the mission he's called you for. I have talents some of you don't have, and you have talents that I don't have. And if I compare myself to you and your skill set, I'll mess myself up. Because here's the deal. i got to compare myself to my calling, not your calling. I can't sing like Phil. Now, in the shower... Mm -mm. 
There's a guitar over here the other day. And I told her, I'm going to take that guitar home and learn how to play that guitar. She said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. So I'm going to strum a guitar and play it. Be like Carrie Champion. She said, no, you're not. She's right. I'd have played that thing for about five minutes. Now, I'd have looked good doing it. But I wouldn't have sounded good doing it. But if I compare myself to that, that's not my calling. My calling is not to get up here and be the guitar player. God knows I'm married. I don't need to get all the chicks like Carrie. That's why he gave me the gift of guitaring. Is that a word, guitaring? Listen, listen. When you imply that you're deficient, you're implying that God doesn't know what he's doing. We've got to quit comparing our life against someone else's calling. The way we get over our insecurities and the way we get over our dysfunction, the way we get over our deficiencies is getting back to realizing who made you. And yet Moses still is throwing out the excuses. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. God, I know you're God, and I'm trying to be respectful. But please just send someone else. God, I can see I'm getting nowhere with you telling you why I'm not qualified. So at the end of the day, just please send someone else. The Lord's anger burned against Moses. He said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you. And it will be as if your mouth and I as if you were God in him. But take this staff in your hand so you can form the signs with it. I, I, I was like, please. And God gets pissed off. He said, I already got someone to come along. I knew what your doubts were going to be. You ain't getting out of it. But I'm going to bring an aide along. I'm going to bring a partner along with you. I'm going to bring your brother. He can speak. But here's the deal. He ain't going to have the words to speak unless you speak them to him. And when he speaks, it's going to be like both of you are speaking. So you're not getting out of this. God, I'm so deficient. God, I'm so dysfunctional. I'm so deficient. And last of all, i got to get out of here. God, I am so doubtful. We battle all these things when God calls us. We're unfit saints and God calls us and we battle these things. Moses doubted himself. We believe God, but we don't believe God can do it through us. God, I know you can do this, but I'm not the person to use. Hey, we do the break. It's not you, God. It's me. I'm not doubting you, God. It's me. I want to leave out part I left out and get conversation I left out and we're going to get out of here. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? And what shot him? So Moses, suppose I go, God, hypothetically speaking. Let's just say I go, God. And I tell them, you've sent me. And they say, what is the name of this God? <laughs> my, oh, one of my favorite verses. God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. I am. This is my name forever. And the name you shall call me from generation to generation. God, okay, just hypothetically speaking, if I go and I question it, who sent me? I am. 
God, I need to know your name. I need to be able to identify you. I am. God, I only got the first part, part of that. I am who? I am that I am. God's telling Moses, I know you think you're dysfunctional. I know you think you're deficient. I know that you're having doubts. But I am. I am whatever you need me to be, whenever you need me to be. Don't put a label on me. I am. Don't put a title on me. I am. Because at different stages in your life, you're going to need me to be different things. Sometimes you're going to need me to be the father. And sometimes you're going to need me to be the disciplinary. And sometimes you're going to need me to be the provider. And sometimes you're going to need me to be the comforter. Hey, you can label me all day long. You just tell Pharaoh, I am. When you're doubting, you need to realize God is, I am. It ain't about you. It's about God working through you. God says, when you see me as I am, you'll never have any doubt again. God, I'm not good enough. I am. God, I don't know what I'm doing. I am. God, I'm not a leader. I am. God, I'm not strong enough. I am. God, I'm not smart enough. I am. God, God, I got got a speaking problem. I am. God calls you to greatness. God doesn't care about your past. God doesn't care about your dysfunction. God doesn't care about your deficiencies. God doesn't care about your doubts. Because God doesn't see any of the things you see. God just sees greatness in you and purpose in you and mission in you and vision in you. And as we all know the story, Moses finally consents to go do what he's doing. He sets the people free because he gave in to what God was calling him to do. Here's the deal. You can fight with God. You're going to lose. Gary, I'm just not a book full of unfit saints. Thank God for unfit saints. I was in a location, matter of fact, this week, had a very cordial conversation with another pastor, and I said something about it. I said, yeah, you know, a lot of people don't like what we do. And he said, yeah, I wonder if it's because you're not qualified. I said, what? He said, well, you know, blah, blah, and gave all these reasons. I said, yeah, that's probably it. I said, but man, there's going to be a lot of people in heaven because God used this screwed up guy. That's good. He walked away. (laughs) I ain't qualified. A lot of people can do this a whole lot better than me. Problem is, I ain't found no one dumb enough to do it yet. I tell people all the time, man, you want this place, come take it. Ain't nobody took it yet. Y'all are stuck with me, I guess. Because God uses unfit saints. The potential in this room, I'm telling you, can change this community. This place ought to be so packed out every week you can't find a seat in here. That only happens when the unfit saints get busy doing what they're called to do.